0: Welcome to Frontiers of Faith, a podcast of the Pontifical Mission Societies. I am Katie Ruvalcaba, and today we have with us a brand new guest. Uh, Father Kieran is off doing Father Kieran things, and today we have with us Father Anthony Andriasi. I did it right, but I was scared. (laughs) Father, tell us all about yourself.
1: Well, Katie, thank you very much for inviting me to speak today. um, I'm happy to be here. So I've been working with the Pontifical Mission. I started, I think, maybe September 7th, whatever the day was, right after Labor Day back in this past September. For the previous 25 years, I was uh, worked in Catholic secondary education, so really almost a quarter century. Uh, although I'm not a Jesuit, I worked in three je- different Jesuit high schools. Um, I'm a priest of the Brooklyn Oratory. That's I've been a priest coming up 17 years. And... Um, after having served as principal of the last school that I was at uh, for a few years, um, my community and I decided it was time for a change. 25 years is sort of a nice point, inflection point. So I began working in our parishes, and then I just had a little more um, time on my hands, availability. So when Monsignor reached out in the summer to say if I might be interested in working with Pontifical Missions, things just really worked out. And I was hired really to be um, the Associate Director of the Propagation of the Faith, as as I'm sure your listeners know, there are four different branches, if you will, or, or, or societies under Pontifical Missions. So really what I'm working with is um, Propagation of the Faith and St. Peter the Apostle. My portfolio is really to try to reach out specifically to priests, deacons, and seminarians, um, Really not so much to raise money directly from them, but to reanimate them, animate them, reanimate them about the importance of praying for supporting the missions in the life of the whole church, but obviously specifically here in the United States. So that's um, that's what my portfolio is. And I guess going on four months, that's what I've been trying to do. So it's great to be here.
0: That is absolutely fantastic, and you know our listeners are probably fully aware that we are in the middle of a novena for the church in Nicaragua right, right now. So, you being the prayer guy for the church in in the United States, we might need to get you back in here to lead us through some prayers for the United States. That would be fantastic.
1: Well, I'd be I'd be honored to to, have, to accept that invitation. Thank you, thank you.
0: <laughs> That's awesome. Now, where are you from with that accent? You've got uh, you've definitely got an accent there. What where are we looking at? <laughs>
1: So I'm originally from New York, not New York City. My parents were from the Bronx, um, but I grew up slightly north of New York City. And really the only time I lived outside of that, this area is um, for undergraduate and graduate school in Washington, D.C. So pretty much a New York person. So.
0: All right. So for those of us who are from the Midwest, which is me, uh, you say the Bronx is not New York City. And I'm like, I was oh, under the impression it no, was. No, <laughs> sorry. I
1: meant, no, the Bronx is New York City. I grew up a little north of the Bronx. Ah. I, my parents are from the Bronx, but I grew up north of the Bronx.
0: Okay. Beautiful. Wonderful. Yes. That's great stuff. So you have been you know, working with Pontifical Mission Society since- You said September, September. September, yeah. So you got to go with Maggie and the whole group over to Malawi recently, is that right? Yeah, just
1: just I think we got we may have gotten back a month ago today, if my if my my memory is correct. And I had once been to I had been to Kenya about nine or ten years ago. The parishes that my community uh, provides pastoral care for runs. We have a sister parish in Turkana, which is in North Kenya. And I visited there, which was an amazing experience nine years ago, nine, ten years ago. And so I was looking forward very much to the experience of visiting the church in Malawi. And it was pretty much everything I had hoped it would be in terms of, uh, you know, we were on the ground really not that long, I think five and a half days on the ground, but they were intense days. Um, It's their summer and it's their um, rainy season, though we saw no rain, but It got pretty darn hard, 95 degrees some days in the baking sun. So, yeah.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I uh, went on a mission trip or a trip to look at all the mission churches last year. Man, it's like a work trip. Like you are up at seven and you don't get back until seven. You are out all day seeing, you know, Christ church all over the world. Was there something that stood out to you during your trip? One of the, I'm sure, millions of places you stopped at. Was there one that really spoke to your heart?
1: I would say um, hmm, two, really people, two groups of people that really, um, I mean, that I've been telling people various stories about. So it's all about, well, obviously, we need places to gather. We need churches. We need schools. We need buildings. But the church, as we know, actually doesn't need those things. And sometimes when she thrives the most is when she doesn't have them. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's where, where people can gather to pray and celebrate the Eucharist. But I would say two two moments in the trip that touched me very very deeply. One was we 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 wound up visiting a few times with a group of local sisters, nuns, religious sisters, a local congregation, uh, uh, something like of the Blessed Virgin Mary, kind of a garden variety title for sisters. Not to you know uh, you know obviously they're all distinctive in their charism, but it was sort of a garden variety title. I think they have about three hundred of these sisters in the country, and not surprisingly. Many of them are very, very young and very, very vibrant. Oh, um, wonderful. But one of the apostolates that they run is a school for children who are profoundly deaf. So we visited a school, I think it was uh, grades one through eight. You know, it wasn't high school. It was ele- what we would call elementary school. It was in a a, a very, you know, the setting, it was, was nice, but rough. Like, you know, um, you know. I would say that if any American were to see the quality of the buildings or the quality yeah of the physical structure they their mouth would sort of kind of fall open. It was just the reality of it. But, you know, mm-hmm. it was clean and it was serviceable. But the thing that stands out in my mind is all the children gathered. I want to say there were about 150, 160 children in the school and they put on a little performance for us, a dance performance for us and a few things that struck me well first of all because they're profoundly deaf almost none of them were speaking they were mostly signing to each other yeah um and um their faces were so expressive i mean just like uh, maggie was taking video but i don't think i need the video to remember how expressive and alive these children are um the way they danced the way they moved the way they welcomed us um and there were a few sisters and lay teachers who were instructing them and one the church in malawi like like a lot of church of the churches in the developing world or the culture is far more formal than we would be in America, you know all sorts of formal introductions and greetings and things like that and um um and asking me and the others to kind of give speeches that was, was a little terrifying at first, but their definition of a speech is basically one or two minutes. It's not too long. It's not, uh, maybe they, they have the inspiration, the Gettysburg address, that brevity is, is usually <laughs> the best way to go. Yes. Um, um, but, but, you know, in talking with, with, uh, the administrators of this school afterwards, um, it, it and this is obviously an institution that the Pacifical missions help support. Um, there's not a whole lot of food that these kids have every day, um, you know, um, and they the sisters are sometimes begging for food to, to feed the children. The government provides basically extremely minimal support, but obviously the religious formation and. The other interesting thing was um, all the apostolates of the church in Malawi are obviously other than the seminaries are open to who's ever in need. So roughly 15, 18 percent of the population of Malawi is Catholic. And I remember asking Father Vincent, who's about to be ordained a bishop in about nine days, nine, ten days, Wonderful man, a wonderful escort, tour guide for us. He said most of the apostles of the church there, uh, in terms of who they serve, uh, mirror their general population. Um, You know, everything began with a prayer, uh, not surprisingly, quite appropriately. But some of the children seemed a little confused at that. They probably are not Catholic. Uh, But the Catholic ones obviously knew what to do. But what what spoke to me alive is that those children who are not Catholic there um, see the living face of the church, and the love of Christ in action there. And yeah. Father Vincent explained to us, sometimes children or other people who served in these apostolates do come forward and ask to be baptized. Yeah. Um, so I spoke a lot there. I'm sorry. I should give you a chance to jump in.
0: No, no it's it's, uh, it's fantastic to hear about this because whenever people return from the missions, they always have so much heart for the missions. I mean, even if you've been before, it has, a t- you know, if it's been a while, it takes a little bit of time for you to remember what what it really is out there. And what you just mentioned is something that really touched on me when I visited the missions as well, is that the the priests and the sisters who are serving that church over there, they're serving the church in the very Catholic sense of what the, the term, you know, parish is. It's not just the people who profess your faith. It's literally everybody in the geographic region that you can physically Get your little hands on right, and and our goal as as a church is you know the corporal and spiritual works of mercy. And I don't know, did you ever read the Screw Tape Letters?
1: Years, many many years. Oh, it's
0: one there. of my favorite books. I love the Screw Tape Letters, and if you've never read it, it's this you know story of it's, it's kind of two one sided letters going between two demons who are trying to get their get their guy. Like if they, if we all have a um, a guardian angel we all have a guardian demon or something and they're all trying to get us to stumble and the thing that this guy talks about he's like make sure your man is hungry make sure your man is is um, cold if you're able to distract his body you will be able to distract his soul and that's like the very first thing if you're if your man is is not fed you're not going to be able to feed your man's soul and so all of these nuns, uh, nuns and sisters that we encountered when we were out on mission you know they were they were most interested in just Helping the people who were right in front of them. They were not interested in numbers, and they certainly weren't going to tell us how many ba- how many they baptized each year. That was not the goal, and and that mm. was not like our Lord's goal either. Our Lord was like, we are going to go out and we are going to proclaim the gospel, and numbers be damned. Basically, you know, we're not looking for that. We're looking to serve.
1: It reminds me, of many years ago, he's dead. I would think fifteen years. Cardinal Hickey of Washington. Mm. One time when they were struggling to keep Catholic schools open in the archdiocese, especially in the inner city, and someone said something about how, uh, well, so so few of these children are Catholic. Why are we keeping these schools open? And his response was, we keep them open because we're Catholic, not necessarily because they're Catholic. We keep them open because we're Catholic. That's a, a great, great line. answer. Yeah, great yeah. answer.
0: That was the... That's such a great answer. I'm gonna keep that in my pocket because I I've, I always try to explain that sentiment that the the mission church has to people. But the none that we asked were like, well, how many of these kids are Catholic? She was like, I don't know. She looked at us with this look on her face, like, why would why would it matter? They're poor. Like we're right, helping right. them. Right. Uh, it was just an incredible experience um, to see the mission church, and I'm so glad you got to go. That's fantastic. Oh my gosh. Oh my
1: gosh. The I the mean...
0: photos and the videos that we're seeing from Maggie are just incredible just can i fantastic. tell one other story i would love for you to oh, okay
1: so it was the it was pretty much our last official act if you will while we were there it was on, i believe it was on a monday morning there are there's a convent of poor class sisters who live um pretty much on the same property as the cathedral and where the bishop lives i think about 30 uh, poor class sisters there. and we 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 were there at their morning mass whatever 7 7 it was pretty early i think 7am And, you know, the the chapel is uh, not surprisingly in in a a convent of cloistered sisters. You know, um, the sisters are on one side. You could see them, you know, clearly that there was an opening. You could see them. And then um, and on the other side, there were our crowd and and maybe five or six lay people who are very good friends of the sisters. So um, um, the mass was celebrated in, in mostly in English. Most of the times. We, the masses we went to were celebrating the local languages, which is Chichiwa, but this one was done in English. Uh, I believe the readings might have been in Chichewa, but two things that struck out. One was um, the the chapel itself was was made um, in a style of indigenous African art, so even Francis and Claire were depicted as people with dark skin set against an African scenery, which was just so beautiful. And it was sort of a bas-relief, the way this frieze was over the altar. Um, the other thing was um, there are a couple of little African-style um, elements that were incorporated into the liturgy in which Rome has given these poor clerics permission to do. One of them was at the elevation, the two elevations of the of the of the bread and the chalice, um, the sisters would clap three times. And someone explained to me that when in traditional African culture, when the chief arrives, you clap three times in a very, um, sort of one, two, three, not like a, a a kind of back and forth clapping. And I just thought that was very, very powerful. How all the sisters clapped that way. Um, um, yeah, that that, and then afterwards, we had a very nice conversation with the sisters, the, the, the superior, um, the non-sure, I don't know, prioress mother, and I can't blanking on her name, but we spent we sat about 20-25 minutes with them. And I've spent some times on retreat in monasteries. And if, if anyone else is it when you're in a monastery, everything is just so much quieter and slower. And when you spend time with, with not nun- close to nuns or monks. You just generally find yourself just a little more calm, and the time we spent with them, I think we all walked away with a, a little more peace in our hearts. Now we then uh, began a twenty-six hour journey back to the states, and that was quickly dissipated. But but I will always always remember that the visit with those sisters. Uh, I please God, maybe someday I'll be back there to visit them again. So
0: that's so um, beautiful. I love that that clap. I know that. Um liturgical differences from culture to culture can be sort of a lightning rod in the United States.
1: I know. Yes. But,
0: yeah. uh, but when it's things like that, where you can point to just like such a clear show of respect, like it's just a cultural difference of how we show respect. It's different from ringing the bells. It's, you know, it, what here we would do was ringing the bells. Right, That's the same. It's just a different way to show that same respect. And I, I, I love that. I, absolutely I mean, they were wearing
1: it. traditional uh, habits of the poor Claire's, the only yeah. difference was then you know probably i mean i and I, i'm not a fr- I don't have a degree in Franciscan history, but How dare uh, you. they were wearing uh, sandals, and I'm sure for a, a poor actually poor Claires my there are decals ones, but obviously in a climate like that you're not wearing shoes you're wearing sandals because mm-hmm. it's pretty darn hard, so other yeah. than that, there were definitely elements of what what we'd call traditional religious life, yeah, and then there were small adaptations for the local.
0: Exactly. Customs,
1: you know.
0: That's beautiful. Well, I don't want to move us on too quickly, but no, I know no, people no. are wanting to hear the gospel for this week and your thoughts on it. So, you mind if I read this week's gospel? No, for... please.
1: I'm going to look. I'm just, while well, you're, I'm going to look at it too, because sometimes it helps me to read and listen. At the I'm same a time.
0: visual person as well. So, I'm with you there. And this is the gospel for January 21st, the third Sunday in ordinary time, which I will uh, selfishly point out is my birthday. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, this is the gospel from Mark chapter 1, verses 14 through 20. After John had been arrested, Jesus came to Galilee, proclaiming the gospel of God. This is the time of fulfillment. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. As he passed by the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting their nets into the sea. They were fishermen. Jesus said to them, come after me and I will make you fishers of men. Then they abandoned their nets and followed him. He walked along a little further and saw James, the son of Zebedee and his brother John. They too were in a boat mending their nets. Then he called to the, called them. So they left their father Zebedee in the boat along with the hired men and followed him. That's our gospel for this week. Now, that's one of those ones that I feel like we have all heard a bajillion times and maybe struggle to take something personal out of it. Is there something in here that reminds you of, uh, of the missions or that can help us to view this gospel in the light of, of Christ's church around the world?
1: Well, you know, just maybe something, maybe almost like a step or two back. You know, I'm just looking at <clears throat> as you were reading it. I looked. I was just looking at it on the, uh, the the Catholic Bishop's website. You know where where I go to look at it, and it's Mark chap- Mark one chapter four uh, Mark one, verse fourteen. So as we know, like Mark just jump. You just get thrown right into it with Mark. There's no story to kind of warm you up to <laughs> just kind of set the scene. And everything's – actually, I'm preparing a homily for this Sunday, so I'm obviously kind of doing some work. And everything is in a rush. Everything is moving very quickly. Um, So it's a little different than my experience at the monastery, where everything is a little more slowed down. But it reminds me of – it does remind me of the church in Malawi where there's a lot of work to do. You know, where where the the church there is very much – unlike the church – in our country, the church in Malawi is very much about working hard as they preach the gospel or because they preach the gospel and live the gospel, they're living it
0: mm-hmm. and
1: being very busy about attending to the needs of the people. And, um, you know, I mean, um, raising children as any parent, there's not a whole you're busy all the time. You're always on the move. And sometimes Amen. developing, as we know, a, a meaningful spiritual life. One of the hard parts is trying to find moments of silence to recollect oneself. But mm-hmm. Mark reminds us, I think, from the very beginning, we got a lot of work to do here. We got to mm-hmm. be, we're on the move. This is, mm-hmm. Jesus is a man on the move and we have to be people on the move. So that, that's kind of where I am hearing this gospel, especially in light of my visit to, uh, to Malawi.
0: I love that. That's a great point. God, like, I'm now going to refer to Mark as the gospel for parents and people who've got stuff to do. Like, <laughs> that's, and, and, and you're right. Like right there in that first section, it's sort of held apart from the rest of it. If you're looking at it on the uh, uh, bishop's website, it says he came to proclaim the gospel of the Lord. And then colon, like this is the gospel of the Lord. Like this is what we're referring to. And he says, this is the time of fulfillment. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. He's like, get up now. This is it. We're doing it. Come on, guys. Um, and that's, you're right. Like it's very much, there's something in front of us that needs to be done. And, and our church in the missions is kind of dealing with that every day. Whereas we over here in the United States, we have the, we have the ability to sit and think and, and, and contemplate and kvetch about little tiny things, but around the world they're, they're dealing with, you know, with poverty, with persecution, with things like that, they've got to get up and just live the gospel right now.
1: Can, can I add one other thing? Of um, course. Um, this this Sunday, the third Sunday in Ordinary Time, is also Word of God Sunday, which which you might remember. This is still a pretty new thing. Pope Francis introduced this in 2019. He felt it was important that once a year, and he did this. Let me just grab. I have um, the moda proprio in front of me. Um, he did this. Um, and I'm not going to be too, I'll, I'll try my, I'm not a Latin scholar, but Aperuit elise. That's what it was. It was 2019. It happened also to be the 1600th anniversary of the death of St. Jerome. Mm-hmm. So important here. And Jerome was the one who said, ignorance of the scriptures is ignorance of Christ. So I'm in trying in preparing to preach this week, and I'm going to try to maybe pull up a little bit—I don't know, fifteen thousand feet—to say, to remind us that <clears throat> coming to know the scriptures in their fullness, the, the Old Testament, the New Testament—if <clears throat> we want to follow Christ, that's that's part and parcel of it. Um Another thought, and I—I've never seen this, but I remember reading about years ago, maybe in the '70s or '80s. Um, it may have even happened on Broadway. I think it might have happened. There was a one-man show where a person literally came out. All he did was recite the Gospel of St. Mark. Wow! Because it's so short, you're able. To, he was able to memorize it. Mm-hmm. And I've I heard I read like sort of reviews of it, and it is done in a way that's sort of fast paced and moving. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what I often say. to People, people say to me, you know, I want to read the scriptures. Where should I begin? I usually don't tell them to begin with the Old Testament. I say no. I mean, you. some people want to read the Bible cover to cover. You can do that. That's great. But I wouldn't start with Genesis. Sorry. I wouldn't start with
0: <laughs> Even I, Father Mike Schmidt's uh, Bible in a year, he jumps no. between different yeah. things. He doesn't stick just to one spot. So
1: Now, Luke is my favorite gospel of the oh, four. Oh, you don't hear that a lot. Oh, yeah. I like Luke uh, for a couple of reasons. Um, but, um, but Mark really sh- is the one to start with because... It just, it just, you can, you can do it in one sitting, obviously. It's very easy to do in one sitting Mm -hmm. and uh, experience who Jesus is in one, one. And for someone who's new to the faith, um, it gives a whole composite picture, you know? Yeah. So, so I don't, I just, those are some other themes that I'm thinking about, you know, for this Sunday for the homily. So.
0: I love it. That's absolutely wonderful. And hey, as a challenge to our listeners, maybe just sit down this week and go over the gospel of Mark, uh, reacquaint yourself with our Lord, get his whole life up in your brain before you start getting into the the details and the, you know, it's beautiful language in the other gospels. Absolutely. But knowing the full picture of who he is just from beginning to end is extremely helpful. I think that's great information and a great idea for starting out the new year. Well, Father Anthony, before we let our people go, do you have any last words or blessings you'd like to give them?
1: Uh, last words or blessings and during this, well, as we prepare for uh, this Sunday? Well, <clears throat> I mean, we, we uh, I don't know. I guess we I have a few intentions that we're thinking about, I would say. Maybe commend, you know, we, um, we still live in a world where there's, you know, um, so much violence. I keep thinking about, obviously, the people in Israel and Gaza we seem to be forgetting about the people in Ukraine. I mean, just because we're overwhelmed with it, you know, on, the, on January 22nd, we'll, you know, in, remember in such a particular way the unborn in our country. And um, we just rem- we remember the church in Malawi. I think we remember that, <clears throat> that as being part of the church, <clears throat> we're, we're a community of believers and we have obligations to each other, both material and spiritual. So, absolutely. But- let us just continue to pray for one another. Thank you, Absolutely.
0: Katie. And thank you for joining us this week. Hopefully you've been joining us for the um, for the uh, novenas that we have been doing going through the, the week right now. We still have a few more days left in that to pray for our friends, the church in Nicaragua. So please continue to join us for that and keep all of us in your prayers. Thank you so much for joining us this week.
1: Thank you, Katie. Have a great day. Bye.
0: Frontiers of Faith is a podcast of the Pontifical Mission Societies produced by Katie Ruvalkaba. Theme music by Ethan Stevie. Make sure to follow us on Twitter at faith underscore frontiers and at Frontiers of Faith on Facebook and Instagram. To support the work of the Pontifical Mission Societies, please go to onefamilyinmission.org to donate.